We make a big deal about small groups in this church because we want everybody to experience what Proverbs 12, verse 25 says. Worry weighs down a person, an encouraging word cheers some a person up. We, we want you to be in relationships where you get that encouraging word, where someone knows you enough to what? to watch you and to notice those things about your life, to give that word of encouragement to build you up. You see, as we are in the middle of this Life Together series, we talk about how God wants us as a church to be a counterculture. That we, we're a place where people can get what they may not be able to get anywhere else. That we live life together. Today we come to that commandment in Bible that we are to encourage one another. You see, here's our challenge. Our challenge is, we live in a world full of discouragement. People get a whole lot more discouragement than encouragement. For some reason, in our country, we've decided that we are like Olympic judges watching a gymnastics meet, and our job is to hold up the number every once in a while. Oh, you did a six there. Oh, that was awesome. I'll give you a nine. Didn't really like the way you did that this morning. That, that's a two. And some reason we think that's our job in life. And that's why in a country we live with a lot of discouragement. Everybody is constantly scrutinized and blasted. In fact, one study says that the average American receives six words of discouragement for every one word of encouragement. Isn't that wild? Now, I've sort of already experienced that this morning. I got a text this morning that said, you only have to preach once today. I expect twice the effort and energy. <laughs> it actually was an encouraging note. And then I come to church and my missions minister gets up and makes fun of my inability with tools. I'll have you know, I know what a hammer is. And it was nice having y'all as a part of our church. I mean, there's, there's a lot of discouragement that goes on. Our job is to be the place. Our job, let me put it this way. Let's build a church full of encouragement. In a world so full of discouragement, where you're going to get plenty of that, let's be a church, let's be that counter culture where people get encouragement. Well, my favorite advertisement came out a couple years ago it's a, a mastercard ad that has as a star a guy that really gets a lot of encouragement and a lot of cheering a lot of cheering his name's peyton manning but in this little spot you're going to see here he turns it around and gives it to the people around him watch this i love this example say it with me say it with me here we go let's go insurance and justice let's go grill let's go insurance and justice let's 80 dollars Cut that meat. Sandwich. Cut that meat. Six dollars. Cut that meat. Gas. And it's full. Twenty dollars. You're my favorite accountant. Tommy, please. Johnny, please. You're on my fantasy team. You're my favorite worker. Fans. Yes. Woo! Priceless. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. Yeah, okay. Never going to wash his hand. Right here. Look at that. What would happen in our church if we became the place where we were screaming out those kind of things? Where we unabashedly just told people the good things we said and we saw in their life without holding back at all. You see, I believe you could build a church based on encouragement. In fact, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians today. 
And, and let's watch how the Apostle Paul said, this is the way I built this church. The Apostle Paul is the one who started this church, and he says, I want to shape this church. And one of the great ways to shape us is to give us a lot of encouragement. So if we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, let's start in verses 10 and 11. You are my witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. What's the best way for a father to deal with his children? Look at the next verse. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Paul says, don't you remember when I came there? I was like a loving father. Oh yes, I urged Oh, yes, I cried with you. But in the midst of that, there was a lot of encouragement because that's the way it builds. And then we flip over a couple of chapters and he wants to make sure that they're still getting that encouragement. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. So Paul says we started with encouragement. I'm making sure I send my friend Timothy to make sure you stay encouraged. And then Paul writes this book. If you'll read the first chapter, he says, every time I think about you guys, I thank God for you. I'm so proud of you. Even though he's going to have to rebuke them later in the book for some of their false teaching, he begins with encouragement. My friends, I believe we can take someone challenging us, someone even rebuking us biblically, if there's a foundation of great encouragement. And then he ends the book, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, saying, here's the ultimate way I want the church to look. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. You guys are off to a good start, but I believe you could do even more. Build each other up. Here's what Paul's saying is, it'll go a whole lot further than just me, your preacher, your missionary, your church planner. If I'm the encourager, I tell you when things really explode in a church, when there is mutual encouragement one to another. And we all just take each other to a different level by saying those words that build us up. So that's the way to build a church. I think it's also a way to revive a church. Go with me now to the book of Hebrews, where, where we've got a group of young Jewish Christians who rather discouraged, who were beginning to slip back into a life of apathy and even sin. And Paul says, let me tell you how we overcome that. Hebrews chapter 3. Let's look at verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters. He's pretty serious about that. That's a command. See to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Okay, Paul, that's the problem. There's many people turning away from God. What is your prescription? Look at verse 13. Here's his prescription. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Isn't that crazy? What's the best answer we've got to you and I falling into a life of sin? It's not rebuke. It's not me jumping up and down about it. The best answer, Paul says, the prescription to us becoming hardened by sin is for us to encourage one another so greatly that we're not, we're not lured by sin. Our life is so full of life and encouragement that when Satan comes along, we don't, we don't fall. 
So what's the prescription? The prescription is encouragement. What is the dosage? The dosage is you need encouragement daily. Did you hear that? If we all need encouragement daily, what that would mean practically for each one of us is that we must give encouragement daily. And then going further in the book of Hebrews, he says Hebrews chapter 10, uh, one of the first signs that your life is spiritually slipping is you start skipping church. And so the writer here is wanting to encourage them to get to church, but he wants to tell them what they do when they get to church. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing. Don't stop meeting together, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the writer here saying? He's saying, guys, you need to get to church. But even more than that, what he's saying is, when you get to church, what you must do is you must reach out and encourage people. My friend, if the only issue here this morning was you and I worshiping God, you didn't need to get in your car to come here just to worship God. You could have done that in your closet. But that's not the only issue. The issue also is we are here to encourage one another. We want to leave these doors in just a few moments. So built up that we can face a world of discouragement. And that's why you living in your own bubble is not good enough. The scariest moment to me every Sunday morning, we didn't even do it this morning, is we ask people to stand up and greet one another. And I look back in the back and I see some guests or I see someone who's just come back to church for the first time and I see some of you, you don't even stand up. You just sit there with your arms crossed. And I'm saying to you, you need to get up and encourage somebody. God didn't bring you here for you to sit on that pew and think about you. He brought you here to stand up and think about somebody else. And guys, when we begin to do that, we begin to develop an atmosphere where people are encouraged, where it's not about us. You see, if you're waiting on it to come to you, you're going to wait a long time. I love what my wife and her best friend in Pensacola used to do. They were so close. And after church, what they always wanted to do is talk to each other. But they figured out that wasn't what they needed to be doing. They could talk any time during the week. So Stephanie and Diane had this rule, 15-minute rule, that they would not speak to each other for the first 15 minutes after church. That they were going to find somebody that needed some encouragement. Could I challenge you to do that with your friends? Don't just immediately huddle up with the people you like. Man, you look across this audience today. Go get to know someone you don't know because they go to a different service. Or you're not sure if they might be a guest or not. And you begin to speak those words of encouragement. I love what the writer says here. We spur each other on toward love and good deeds. My friends, the love and good deed is not that you showed up here. The love and good deeds is that you showed up here and you leave here to go represent our Lord and be his ambassadors. And that's going to happen when we leave this place so encouraged by one another. So will we accept the challenge to be great encouragers? I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you now. I'm going to ask you at the end of this message. Everybody look at me. Just for a moment, look at me. Are you a great encourager? Seriously. I'm talking about somebody else, but I'm talking about you, talking about me. Are you a great encourager? Will we accept what we've just seen command after command in Scripture is that we are to encourage? What would happen 
if we all accepted the command of God. There's a crazy study done of these second graders in Wisconsin. The teacher could not get them under control. They actually videotaped the class, and within 20 minutes, the students had stood up off and on 360 times. And all the teacher could do was say, sit down, sit down, sit down. And so the people studying it said, here's what we want you to try next. Go in the next couple of days and say, sit down even more than you've been saying it. So she went in and every second, sit down, sit down, sit down. You need to sit down. Get back in your seat. You know what happened? They taped it again. And now the second graders, within 20 minutes, stood up at least 540 times. It didn't work. You've experienced that in your life. Just telling you what not to do is not a motivator. And then the experts told her, do this. Go into the classroom. Don't tell anybody to sit down. Just encourage the kids that are sitting. Start going back and going by and commenting on their work. Thank them for paying attention. Notice and make eye contact with the ones that are cooperating with you. And the next time they taped it, within 20 minutes, it was below 100. You see, that's the power of encouragement. And so today, I ask you, what would happen in your school if you started encouraging instead of discouraging? What would happen where you work if you begin to give people words of affirmation, not giving them a number of how they performed? What would happen in your home if instead of correcting each other constantly, you begin to encourage each other constantly? And what would happen in this church if this became the place in this city where you could get more encouragement than anywhere else? I'm telling you, we would build a community, a life together that not only would we enjoy a whole lot more, but the people beyond these walls would be drawn like a magnet. So let me close out by let's get practical about how we encourage each other. And some of you may remember these from years ago, but I still got them. And that's my building blocks. And we're going to start with the letter D. And the letter D stands for you've got to decide. Somebody say that with me. Decide, okay? Listen to what we've done so far, guys. We have looked at commandments from Scripture, okay? The, the, the decision today is whether you will be obedient to God or not. You say, well, buddy, I'm, I'm just not much of an encourager. And, uh, you know, buddy, I'm sort of introverted. Or that's not my spiritual gift. I know we all are going to do it differently. But listen to me. We've all been commanded to do it. And the question is, will we? I love what a lady at the Hunter Hills Church said to our friend Ryan Laster. Many of you may remember Ryan Laster. Grew up here at Landmark. Leader in our youth group. Now he's the preacher at Hunter Hills out in Prattville. And this lady came up to him the first Sunday he was there. And here's what she said to him. My job is to be your encourager. I've spent most of my life being critical. I'll never do that again. Now, I know, because Ron's my buddy, what that meant to him. But I'll tell you, I think it also meant something to her. Because when you've lived in that critical mindset and you begin to be obedient to God, amazing things happen. So first of all, the the big question today is, will you just make your mind up? 
Is this just going to be another Sunday? Or could we actually take a very practical lesson and walk out of here and be the encouragers God has called us to be? So you decide. Now, a key letter is going to be this letter L. Because it's going to stand for the key to being a good encourager. And that is to look and listen. Say that with me. Look and listen. Someone told me this years ago. Great encouragers are people who notice good things about other people that they do not notice about themselves and point it out. It's not the person just giving the trite, that was nice, appreciate what you did. It's the person that notices something specific and begins to encourage it. My favorite story about this is from the legendary basketball coach, John Wooden. Won, you know, dozen national championships at UCLA. But he was always the calmest coach in the nation. And reporters were amazed at what he got out of his players. And finally, one day, one reporter said to him, Coach Wooden, how do you keep your players so motivated? How do you do it? Here was his answer. I try to catch them doing the right thing. Isn't that contradictory? We think, catch them doing the wrong... No, I, I try to catch them doing the right thing, and I say it. Guys, I'm telling you, we would be motivated out of our mind if we spent our time catching each other doing the right things. I saw the most beautiful example of this the other day. Gail invited one of our members, John Wright, to come and speak to our staff. And she just said, John, just say whatever you want to say. And, and there were about over 15 of us around the table. Secretaries, cleanup crew, everybody around here was there. And John spoke for a little bit, and then he began to go to each person on our staff and tell them how he saw God in them. It was absolutely the most amazing staff meeting I've been to in a long time. Because it wasn't just, try, I appreciate you guys and I love that you're here. It was specific things he had noticed about each person. And he pointed it out. And I'm telling you, I could have walked out of that staff meeting and I could have ran through a brick wall. Because that's the power of encouragement. You begin to look for those uplifting words. Now, the I is a little bit different because the I is more about action than about talk. The I is you include people. Say that with me. You include people. Let's review. The D is what? You guys hang with me. The L is? The I is? Include. Because you know what encourages people is when you include them in your circle. That's what's so important about who you talk to before and after church. You just can talk to your buddies and your friend, or you can talk to people that might need someone to care. We live in a very exclusive world. We live in a world where despite all of our, quote, technology and free time, Americans, according to Gallup Poll, are the loneliest people on the globe. Did you hear that? Lonely. And when you include someone, it makes an incredible difference. Now, I did a study of this church when I first moved here. I've done a study of every church I've ever worked for. When did you finally feel a part of this church? It was when they were invited into someone's home. There's just something about going to someone's home and fellowshipping that changes relationships. That's why we're so big about small groups. Because there's something that happens there that can't happen somewhere else. You include them. I'll never forget calling a couple that visited here one Sunday afternoon. And this was their first Sunday to get here. And I said, 
thank y'all for coming. I know this was your first time. I hope you had a good experience. And they said, yeah, we really enjoyed it. The worship was good. Appreciate your lesson. But let us tell you what happened to us. We got out in the foyer. And there were these three different families that were fighting over us to go to their life group. I mean, they were like, you come to our group. No, our group's better. I mean, I mean, she said, it was amazing. You know what that did for that couple? That someone wanted to include them? Guys, we all, deep down. And we, we, we face enough rejection every day. We, we face enough places where if you don't look like me, act like me, believe like me, have my political views, you're not included. When we become the place where, you know what, all those differences fade in the background, which top is Jesus, and we accept one another as Christ has accepted us, we include. And then the you is a real key one if you want to be a great encourager, is that you need to use a lot of uplifting words. Say that with me. A lot of uplifting words. You just got to say it. You know, what kills me about this subject is this is one of the easiest things to do. It's the most inexpensive thing for us to do. It's cheap. And yet sometimes we don't do it. Now, we all remember comments people have made to us, positive comments that we have held on to our whole life. If you can't do it, I could tell you four or five right now, some going back 40 years of what somebody said to me that I hold on to. I don't know about you, but man, I, I keep a box of emails and letters and anything. Because on a down day, what I do is I go to that box because those words can make such an incredible difference. One of the most touching stories to me in history is when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated and he died in that bed across from that theater. That when they finally went through his coat, in his coat pocket, were clippings from newspapers that had said something good about him. Most newspapers reviled Abraham Lincoln. But he saved those three. And in our own mind, we may not save in our coat pocket, but in our mind, we save those uplifting words. And guys, in a world where people get six negatives to one positive, I'm telling you, we got a lot of undoing to do. I mean, you've seen the studies. I don't know which one's right, but there's some studies that say you need to have four positive words to overcome one negative. Or some go all the way to say the odds are 50 to 1. I'm telling you, my experience, it's 50 to 1. If in this service I stand at that back door and you come by and, uh, you know, a hundred of you say, boy, that was a great sermon day. I appreciate that, buddy. Needed to hear that. Thank you. And then one of you come and go, are you okay today? <laughs> you're just not sort of acting like yourself. It, it seems like you're a little off today. I mean, are, what am I going to go home and think about? I'm thinking about being a little off today. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not saying there's not a moment where we've got to go, you know what, you shouldn't have said that or you shouldn't have done that. There are those moments. But those moments will never go across well unless there's a lot in the bank of encouraging words. I'm asking you, who today are you going to give an encouraging word? How are you going to practice this today? There's somebody in this church that you have watched from a distance and you love them, respect them, and you've never told them. And today could be the day that you tell them. Now, the key to this whole thing is going to be the top box. And it is the B. And it stands for be positive. Say that with me. Be positive. Great encouragers are positive people.
Guys, it takes no rocket science to be able to pick people apart. That's easy to do because if you get close enough to me, let me tell you, you're going to see some stuff you're not going to like. And the truth is, if I get close enough to you, I'm going to see some of that same stuff. But, but here's, here's the key is, what are we looking for? Are we looking for the negative? Do we think we are those Olympic judges holding up the numbers? Or do we think God has placed us to find the positive? It makes all the difference in the world. And some people are just so very negative. I, I preached at the Gateway Church in Pensacola for five and a half years, and there was a man there in that church that was really, really negative. I mean, every Sunday in the foyer, he complained about something. Everybody knew he hated the church. He didn't like what was going on. He hadn't liked it for 20 years, but he was there. And, um, you know, that member, you just can't run away. And, I mean, he just, um, he just was there. So finally, one Sunday, I got my courage up. And I, I cornered him in the corner of the foyer. I said, Larry, you know I love you, and I'm glad you're here. I just don't know why you're here. You don't like anything we're doing. You complain every Sunday. I will never forget his answer. Verbatim, buddy. The church is like a battery. Every battery needs a positive post and a negative post. <laughs> and I am the negative post in this church. And he was accurate. And let me tell you today, we don't need negative posts in this church. That's not what you've been commanded to be. That's not what you've been called to be. And that's not what's going to change me or change you. We need to be the people that see it and point it out. And so as we come to the end of this message, can I ask you, are you an encourager? When's the last time you just really made somebody's day in this church body? When's the last time you walked outside of yourself and stopped being your nitpicky self and said, you know what, I can look beyond this little oddity about this person and what I can see is something God's using them for and I'm not just going to sit here, I'm going to tell them. I just dreamed today of what could happen to this church if we were obedient to this lesson. You see, guys, because we do live in that crazy negative world and you get lots of that. And honestly, all it takes is one of those to knock everything down. And so, guys, we got to be, thank you, I did. Okay. <laughs> so what do we got to do, guys? We've got to what? What's the D? We've got to decide. And then what we can do, we're going to go out, we're going to do what? And then we're going to find some people that we will be able to what? And we're going to use an awful lot of what? Because we are going to be... What? Positive. We're going to be the most positive people on this earth, and people are going to be drawn to this because, guys, they don't have to go to church to get critiqued. They can do that anywhere. So let me ask the question I asked a little while ago before we sing together. Are you an encourager? Bottom line, this is not a complicated lesson. I hope I've given you some practical points to do it, but I want to ask you, are you an encourager or are you a discourager? You know, let me say this. We've had a lot of sins confessed on this front row through the years. The greatest strength of this church, in my estimation, is your openness and honesty. And we've had people confess gambling addictions and alcohol addictions and their marriage is in trouble and sexual perversion. We've had, we've had all kinds of things. I love that about this church. But today, I wonder, 
have we ever had anyone confess, I'm not an encourager. I haven't been an encourager. I've been so into me that I've just not been noticing other people. I come to church every Sunday wondering who's going to speak to me, not who I could speak to. I, I wonder how I'm going to be treated. And wouldn't it be awesome today if we started confessing something? You say, oh, buddy, this is just encouragement. This is a trite little... Did you hear what Paul said to us? He commanded us to encourage one another. Did you hear what the writer of Hebrews said? He said, you see to it. Can I ask you? Are you going to be the one to see to it? Are you going to be the one that's going to, man, you're going to make sure nobody walks out of this building without being talked to. We had a guest last week. We never get these cards, but we got this one guest card last week. It says, I came to your church. No one spoke to me. No one even made eye contact with me. Lousy church. Are you going to join me and see to it that nobody else has that experience? So today, as we sing, if there's anything you need us to pray for, you can come to this front row. If today's the day that you finally want to put a stake in the ground and say, you know, I'm so tired of being negative, because not only does it not help other people, it messes me up. Because listen to me, guys. Not only will encouragement bless the person giving it, who, who, who receives it, it will bless the person who gives it. And you never know when you're going to say it. I was at Lipscomb this week for summer celebration, sort of their summer lectureship, and I ran into a guy, his name is Dean Barham. He's the preacher of the Woodmont Hills Church there, a great church there. And he cornered me and said, Buddy, years ago when I was campus minister at the University of Texas, I came to a seminar and you spoke to it. And afterward, I said, I was an, I was an engineer. And you spoke about ministry. I got so excited. And I came up afterward. I don't even remember. He said, And you prayed with me. And I'm in the ministry today because you spoke life over me. Now, I'm not saying that to give me credit. I'm saying that I didn't even remember it. I'm saying it to say, you know what? I'm telling you what, I'd rather give it than get it. And in your life, if you stop measuring whether you get it or not and start giving it, not only are you going to bless a lot of other people, but you're going to be a whole lot more blessed. So today, you say, I'm not an encourager. That's not my gift. I just don't do that. I've got one word for you. Repent. Now, I'm not playing. Repent. It's wrong. And your life will be so much more blessed. And somebody else's life will be so blessed if you start building people up. So let's sing together. If you need to come, why don't you come right now?